A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. In his homily for the second Sunday of Lent, Father implores us to contemplate the incredible gift that God gives us in allowing the suffering of his only begotten Son. I can't speak for other people, but so I can speak for myself. One of the worst things about having kids and grandkids it's not the money that you have to spend to support them. It's not whether or not they're going to grow up to be good people. That's a big concern. One of the things that terrifies me the most and most troubling for me is the possibility that they might get seriously hurt, that they might have to suffer. And that, that's something that just really tears at my heart because, well, because I don't like to see my loved ones suffer, especially your kids and grandkids. When they're over here in their, I love when they come over here, but my kids are kind of, grandkids are kind of daredevils. They, they, well, you know, they have no fear of anything. So they're out running through the parking lot, riding their bike, their scooters and stuff. And I remember when I was a little kid, and we just do things like that as well, and as to share, at least twice a year, we'd do some wipeout thing. We'd just totally smash our face off the concrete, we'd break a bone, we'd have teeth going through our lips, we'd have broken heads and stuff like that, and you know, we made it. But I imagine my mom was probably not too pleased about seeing blood all over her carpet when we did something stupid like run through the house and bash her head off the coffee table or something. Or when I went riding my bike when I wasn't supposed to out the street and I just didn't pay attention to the stop sign, went flying through it, hit a curb and went flying through the air and smashed off the stop sign and had to be carried home by some stranger. But anyways, the point is, when I see my kids doing that, I keep thinking of them falling and tripping and scraping themselves and hitting their jaw and it just terrifies me see that. And it always scares me, please God, don't let them trip. Please God, just let their shoelaces not be wrapped up. Please God, just keep them up until they go home. In which case, I don't have to see them suffering. Because it just, honestly, it scares me so much that sometimes I'm just relieved when they leave because now I don't have to worry about them falling in the parking lot. So why am I bringing up this goofiness? Well, because our first reading today deals with Abraham. It's the test of God. Are you willing to kill your own son? Are you willing to drive a knife your own beloved son. Now, it's interesting because it says your only son that you love. This was not his only son. Remember, he had two children, Isaac and the other one was Ishmael from Hagar. But it's through Isaac that the promise was originally made to Abraham. It was through Isaac that Abraham's name would be carried on. It's through Isaac that Abraham would become a father of many nations. And it's through Isaac, because he was the son of his wife Sarah, that actually that was his somebody actually favored. You notice he actually sent Hagar and Ishmael off. And he wasn't too brokenhearted about it. It's like, whatever, okay. But Isaac was special to him. Because Isaac was going to want to carry on his name in a sense. So if Isaac were to die, Abraham kind of dies with him. And back then, that was more important than anything. It was an idea of your, your, 
your lineage being carried on is why the first son is always so important because that was supposed to be the one that carries on the family name. Because they didn't understand death and resurrection. For them, the way they lived in eternity was in people's memories, through your, through your heritage. And God had promised them a heritage. And if he was going to kill Isaac, he was killing basically everything that he held dear. And so there was something very, must have been a very big sadness in his heart to think that this is what's going to happen. But he's willing to do it anyways. But I started thinking about the idea of killing this child and how terrible that would be. But back then, killing your children was not a big deal to people. People would sacrifice their children to the gods all the time. That was part of the culture back then. It was not a good thing. But the bad gods, the ones that other people believed in, they thought they were supposed to sacrifice their children. So they would immolate their own kids. Meaning throw them in fire. So what God was asking Abraham wasn't so much that with the test of faith would you be willing to kill your son, because that would have been asked by almost any God. And you've got to expect Abraham to do at least that much. The question is, are you willing to kill the child that carries on your name that you hold dear, that is going to bring about your your very heritage? And so that was something that he would have to endure to endure. So there's a pain in his heart to have to think about that. But that is nothing compared to what the gospel relates to us today. And something that we oftentimes fail to realize is the intensity of God's love for us. How incredibly powerful it is. And transfiguration really never dawned on me until today what exactly this moment meant. The transfiguration took place roughly six to eight days after Jesus' first prediction of his passion, which means he had told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. I'm going to suffer and die. I'm going to be tortured, brutally, betrayed, hurt, and have to give my life. And so this transfiguration moment was a moment of hope for them to say, this is a glorious moment to help them realize that in spite of his death, to remember this moment so they don't fall into despair. But what really struck me was when after Jesus conversing with uh, Moses and Elijah on the mountain, and Peter makes that weird declaration, the cloud comes over it, which means the Father, His presence is there. From the cloud comes this voice, this is my beloved Son. And I figured, yeah, okay, that's Jesus, that's your Son. But he was making a point when he said this. He was saying specifically to his apostles. He wasn't speaking to Jesus. Because remember, he says, listen to him. He's telling the apostles, he's telling the ones that are there, this is my beloved Son. And what he was telling them is, this is the Son that I am going to sacrifice for you. This is my beloved son, the thing that I hold more dear to anything in the world. I am going to sacrifice this, and I am going to watch my son be tortured, endure the pain of sin, be crucified, and have to, until the end of time, endure the horror of the darkness of sin because of his attachment to our humanity. He says, that is my son. And I'm going to watch that, and see that, and endure that as his father. I'm doing this out of love for you. When I read that line, it was so powerfully intense that I can't even fathom just how much God wants to see us whole. His whole reason for saying, listen to him, 
It's not because he wants us to follow rules. It's because he knows by listening to Jesus we experience something that we can't without listening to him. That the true pain and suffering that we'll experience is when we disobey him. He sees what happens to the people in the world when people do not follow Christ. All the horrors of the world are because people don't listen to Jesus. And God sees that. And the horror of that is something that we experience. He goes, I don't want you to experience that. I don't want you to feel that pain. I don't want you to go through that hurt. It was not a command, it was a plea. Listen to my son because that's what's going to keep you from falling down and busting yourself open. That's what's going to keep you from getting hurt and damaging yourself. That's what's going to keep you from getting scraped. Because I don't want to see that in my children. And he longs so much to not see us get hurt that he takes his only beloved son and watches him get hurt instead. He so much does not want us to experience the pain of our sinfulness that he watches his own son endure the pain of our sinfulness. I can't even put into words just how incredibly powerful of a love that God must have for us to endure watching his son be in pain over and over and over again. Because he doesn't want us to experience that. My son lost his job two weeks ago, my son-in-law. I almost started crying because I know how difficult that was. They just, you know, they're dealing with my children, they're sending their kids to a Catholic schools. My, my daughter decided to not work because she wanted to spend time at home with the kids, so they trucks and money income. And they've been already struggling financially, they've been always asking God, what should we do? And he loses his job. And I'm like tearing up because I'm thinking, I don't want you to go through that. I was about to say, you know, if you need some money, just tell me. I, I don't have a whole lot, but I'll give you whatever I have. So I didn't want them to endure that. And this is me, a lonely person who's getting teared up because his son lost his job. People lose their jobs all the time. I'm sure they'll survive. But if I'm getting that hurt in my heart or something like that, imagine what God the Father's feeling when his own beloved son gets on the cross. And he has to watch that. He has to watch his son endure the hurt of our sin. Because every time we fall, don't follow his commands, every time we do not listen to him, the pain strikes in his heart over and over and over. The passion happened one time in history, but it happens every single day in the heart of Christ because of love for us. And the Father watches that over and over. We need to appreciate this Lenten season because we can get a little bit too caught up in our own difficulties, in our own trials. We think, oh, God, you asked too much of me. God, I'm going through too much. He's watching his son go through pain every single moment until the end of time. Until Jesus comes again, he suffers our sinfulness, and the Father has to watch that, which means he suffers too. And he does that for us, for us. If you may believe me, me going out, sorry, I can't even talk, me, like me going out, my kids are here, purposely knocking over one of my grandkids and it would break over the jaw so that some other neighbor kid wouldn't have to deal with that. That's what God does for us, constantly. 
It's a powerful, powerful love. We should never forget that. Because sometimes I think we don't quite realize just the intensity of his desire to see us not be hurt. To see us be able to run across the parking lot back strip. To run through the house and not bust our head on the coffee table. To ride our bikes and not have one of our fingers get chopped off. Or why the heck happened to my younger brother? That's how did that happen? He reached down to adjust the chain on his bicycle, his foot got caught, and he actually got his finger caught the chain and cut his finger off. God doesn't want that to happen to us. Not in our hearts. He's willing to watch his son go through that, so we don't have to. This is my beloved son, who I will sacrifice for you. That's the God that we have. To never forget it. We should do our best to tell about the future.